Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Everything Iconic with me, Danny Pellegrino. We have a Disney legend on the show today, Jody Benson, of course, the voice of Ariel and the Little Mermaid. She's Tony nominated. She's also the voice of Barbie in the Toy Story franchise. She's got a new book out called Part of My World, which is uh, out September 13th. Jody, how are you doing today? I am doing great, Danny. Thank you so much for having me on your program. I really, really appreciate your your kindness and and your willingness to to chat today. It is absolutely my pleasure. I don't know if you could see the big giant smile on my face, but I can't believe I'm getting <laughs> to talk to you because I'm I'm a Disney junkie too, and I just uh, I, Little Mermaid means so much to me. I was right at sort of the perfect age when it came out, uh, and I wonder when did you notice the Little Mermaid was going to be like a lifelong thing? Does that make sense? Because I imagine Correct. when it came out, you probably could see the box office and you saw that it was successful, but. But was there a moment when you're like, oh, this is going to be something that sticks with people forever? Yeah, it really wasn't until probably six months after the film, because truly, I, I, I thought it was a one and done. You know, I'm just going to I'm just going to do this voiceover job. That was just a miracle that I even got it because I'd never been behind a mic before. And then, you know, no one will ever know it was me. You just have to buy the VHS and freeze frame it and then figure out who's who. So it was a one and done. And I was back in New York doing Broadway. and. It wasn't until like they put me out on a press tour and then they connected my name with the character. I was like, this is weird. And then all of a sudden, after the film came out, you could start seeing something shifted. Everything shifted with Disney. Everything shifted with animation, um, with the Broadway musical blending with animation. And we thought, oh, my goodness, this is this is different. This is big. And so it was probably about six months after that I thought, hmm, I thought this was a one and done little job. And I'm kind of getting the feeling that this might continue. So that was a huge shock and a huge surprise. A wonderful surprise. Yeah. yeah. Uh, I loved the book so much because you talk a lot about the recording process, both in Little Mermaid. You also talk about working on the Toy Story films and uh, Enchanted. But I'm curious, there's one part in the book where you talk about the creation of part of your world, which is, I think, maybe the best Disney song of all time. It's certainly up there in the top handful of songs. But mm-hmm. you say that Howard Ashman, who wrote the lyrics for the song, he really encouraged you to not be so technically perfect because it was more about the emotion of Ariel. And yeah. I, I listen to that song and I'm like, it's got both to me. It It is technically perfect, but you say that there are maybe some little parts mm-hmm. that aren't technically perfect. And so right. I was curious reading, reading that what, what part to you is, is there a part of that song that you wish you could go re-record or, or that mm. you feel is not technically perfect? Does that make sense? Mm. Yes, it does. Absolutely. It's a great question. Uh, 
You know, I was given a cassette tape when I had my audition of Howard singing Part of Your World with Alan at the piano. And it is a monologue that happens to be put to pitch. It's not really a song. It's really a monologue of her feelings and her heart and her passion, her dreams, her goals, her wishes that just happens to have music to it. And I was so mesmerized and and teary-eyed listening to that cassette tape when I went to the audition. I was just blown away by his performance. Um, You know, fast forward in a year and I get this job, which is just truly miraculous. I still don't know how the heck I got this job. And I'm in the studio with him and I had just done a Broadway flop called Smile with him as my director. For almost four years, we worked on that, um, various degrees. And um, Ron and John, John Musker and Ron Clements, our, our feature animation directors, were kind enough to let Howard come in the studio with me in the booth, mind you, silently, uh, to be my personal director, really. And I literally imitated that cassette tape. That's what I did because he had already figured out who Ariel was. And I just jumped on that ship with him. I mean, I didn't need to reinvent her. He had already created her. And I could hear and see and experience everything through his rendition of the song. And so I really just copied him and kind of played around with that. And no, it's not perfect, but it's perfect for Ariel. Mm -hmm. It is not sung perfectly, but it's perfect for Ariel. Every note doesn't have its full value. Um, I'm sharp on a couple notes. I'm flat on a couple notes. Um, I speak a lot of it. Um, I add vibrato. I do straight tone. I do. So you know, when it came down to two and a half years later, watching the screening and, and Howard was there and he came up to me and, you know, we gave each other a hug. I'm like, it's my first time to see the movie. This is crazy. And he's like, well, let me just tell you something. You're probably not going to like part of your world, <laughs> but, but it's perfect for Ariel. And, you know, I sat down in my seat and my husband was next to me and it was like a, you know, white knuckle roller coaster ride. And after two lines of, me coming in, I'm going, oh my gosh, that's my voice up on the screen. That's so weird. I've never done anything like that. I kind of forgot it was me. Mm-hmm. So that by the time the song came, it, it was exactly what it needs to be in an animated feature film. You need to forget about who the voice is and you just need to get engulfed right. into the story. And that's what the song does. It just takes you into the story. And uh, I stopped analyzing it as a Broadway vocalist. Uh, doing mm-hmm. shows eight times a week and just realize that there are sacrifices that you make behind the mic uh, in animation that are unique unto itself. And those sacrifices are worth it in order to tell the story. I think it's such a beautiful song and I've listened to it a hundred times and prep for this interview just because uh, I mean, I listen to it uh, constantly anyway, but listening to it over and over again, there's these little moments, uh, particularly uh, when you sing out of the sea and you have that sigh and breath, yeah. and it's so yeah. emotional to hear that. And right. it's just such a stunning song. And I think a lot of people might not know this, but it was almost taken out of the film. 
Right. There was a point yes. where one of the executives, right, wanted it out. Jeffrey Katzenberg, yeah. And he'll tell you to this day, had he have done that, it would have been his greatest mistake in the history of his career. Oh, <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's I mean, would I be today? Because I sing the song every week. You know, I've been singing the song every week for 30, uh, let's see, 87, 35, 35 years now. I've been singing the song every week. And my job is to sing the song like I did in the studio that week. Right. And to completely hold the integrity of the character. I don't change one thing about it um, because I need to allow you as the listener to trigger that memory of where you were the first time you saw the film. And that's my job. I want to help you recall that. And with that comes positive and some sad feelings for people. And, um, you know, when people meet me, uh, there are a lot of tears. And sometimes those tears are joy. And sometimes those tears are sorrow and grief for various reasons. And, but my job is to continue to pay tribute and honor to Howard uh, to keep his legacy alive and to pay tribute to the way that he interpreted the song. His lyrics are just amazing, even in all of his work, but it really struck me when I look at it from a technical aspect of just the, the lyrics that he wrote and, and also the melodies that were written for these songs as well. But there's a footage of you in the studio. And I wonder, are you able to ever watch that footage. I, it's on YouTube. And I, I think there was yeah. a, a Disney documentary that was all about the Disney Renaissance where they play some of the footage. And right. I, are you able to watch that or maybe it's too, emo- yeah. a little too emotional? No, it is. It's a, uh, it's beautiful because it, it encapsulated our relationship. There's many things that he whispered to me that, that you wouldn't hear uh, watching it on YouTube that are, are sweet and tender, you know, as I'm, kind of beating myself up after seven hours behind the mic and and struggling um, with my insecurities and feeling incapable uh, of doing this job and giving him what he wanted and what Ron and John wanted and feeling like a failure and, you know, asking him like, I don't even understand how he got this job. I just, I just don't think I can do this. And he's like, you know, he's whispering to me in between takes you you can do this. It sounds great. Listen, it sounds great. You you've got this, and and he's just tweaking and fine tuning and tweaking and fine tuning. He's not you know um, saying I'm less than or I'm unworthy or that my whole performance you know sucks. He's not saying that. He is being the expert, brilliant perfectionist that he was. And I was a perfectionist, but I didn't have to worry about it because he was 10 times more of a perfectionist than I was in the studio. So it was very freeing to know that I could just throw it out there and he's got my back, you know, yeah. he's got my back. And, and that was, so it's a, it's really, that's precious footage right. to have very precious. Uh- the most emotional chapter for the book for me, I was in literal tears as I was reading the chapter about you uh, going to the hospital. Howard, who we've been talking about, who wrote the lyrics for Part of Your World, he died in 1991 from heart failure caused by AIDS. And it's such a moving uh, recollection of of you visiting him in the hospital before he passed. And mm-hmm. what about his songwriting do you think makes it so special? Because as I said, I was listening to some of the music and trying to 
analyze it from a technical level, but have you been able to grasp maybe what made it so special? Does that make sense? Yeah. Howard was so far ahead of his time, probably like two decades ahead of his time. He had this brilliant mind that lived in another space and time that many of us could not connect to, but sat in awe of, if that makes sense. Um, He was very misunderstood in a lot of ways, I think. What would come off as being um, possibly, uh, these these aren't true terms, but what people may interpret him as being um, aloof, unapproachable, um, unreachable, was actually the opposite. He just lived in another space and time with his mind and his brain and his creativity that none of us could really, really grasp. But what you did is if you were smart, you just let him go there and you, you know, he'd toss a line and grab the line and ride with him. Just just jump on. That's, that's what I did. Don't question it. Don't argue. Don't say why. Ask me why, you know, why, why don't just be quiet and jump in with him because he's already, he's already there so far beyond. Um, and that's where his lyrics lived. They lived so far beyond where we could even imagine. And, you know, for Alan, I mean, it was just such a, such a beautiful collaboration between the two of them, the respect that they had for one another and how they deemed one another even more important than themselves was just so beautiful. But I mean, even Alan would just kind of be shaking his head like, what the heck? Like, where does this stuff come from? Where does he, where does he get this? Where does he get these lyrics to under the sea and decide to make it a Jamaican Calypso? You know, that, that really wasn't, you know, I mean, that was, that was all him. I mean, that was just like, we're just going to go to this other place and time. So he just existed in a place that was so different and unique and beyond what any of us could even understand. There's a song he wrote for Aladdin that unfortunately never made it in the final film called Proud of Your Boy. And it's it's a very emotional song for especially I'm a gay man myself and in the lyrics they're so relatable and it devastates me that it didn't make it in the the final product of Aladdin, but the song sort of lives on and and people who know it appreciate it. And it, yeah. I think and they've Broadway, used it. They, yeah, yeah, they've you know, used it on Broadway. For the Broadway, which is beautiful. That's an autobiographical song to Howard. It was a very, very precious song to him. It had a lot of personalized meaning to him with his mother and and uh, father. And um, I knew his mother, you know, very well during all those years. Um, that was a hard song for him, but it is, um, it's my favorite song after part of your world. And that's the song that I listened to with him before he died. As he listened to the audition tapes of the gentlemen that were singing it. That's what we were playing sitting on his, uh, on his bedside table as we were listening. Wow. And he was, he was blind at the time. And, um, so his hearing was acute, um, mm-hmm. So he asked me, let's listen to some of these um, cassette tapes, these audition tapes that they brought into him to the hospital. And it was young men, gentlemen singing, proud of your boy. It was wow. just, just incredible, you know, incredible as he's analyzing the voice and the storytelling. And, you know, this one's too much of a singer. This one, you know, we, 
they really need to be acting. This is really a monologue. It needs to be acted first and sung second. And, you know, all the things that he kind of poured into me uh, was just fascinating to hear him uh, before he passed away, still doing what he was created to do, uh, which is to tell stories, you know, Mm -hmm. through song. And even on his deathbed, you know, even on his deathbed, he's sitting there listening to his lyrics and listening to Alan's music and listening to these voices, trying to interpret. And he's, he's, he's not judging. He's, he's fine tuning, you know, and his Mm -hmm. ear was just so acute to, to listen to those lyrics. Wow. Well, you, you mentioned Alan and there's this clip that I saw on YouTube where it's you and some of the other Disney women, uh, Paige O'Hara, who I know is your friend who played Belle and, Right. Uh, it's uh, all of you around the piano with Alan playing mm-hmm. the piano and uh, you're singing yeah. some of the songs. And I mean, it struck me also just how beautiful his musical ear is and particularly oh. listening to the part of your world reprise, which right. starts and has just such beautiful music, even without the right. lyrics. It's just, I mean, stunning what, what all of you created with some of this music that will truly just live on forever and ever and outlive us all. And it will be something that generations listen to. So that just must mean that must be so exciting to have something that, that you've worked on that lives on. Yeah, that was a beautiful day. That was our 30th anniversary celebration for mermaid. And part of our celebration, we brought in the other ladies and they're all friends of mine. Donna and I were roommates when we did a musical with, Tom Ian and Henry Krieger called Dangerous Music, and we took it to its out-of-town tryout in Jupiter, Florida at the Burt Reynolds Theater. Mm-hmm. Lilius White did um, was the standby for Effie in the Los Angeles production of Dreamgirls that my husband was in as the Cadillac guy before we got was, married. Oh, and she was the one of the muses, right, from Hercules. Yeah. That's who she and played, right? Judy Kuhn. I've known Judy Kuhn since Pocahontas. the day of auditioning. Yeah, the speaking voice of Pocahontas, of auditioning together uh, back in uh, the early 80s. So, and the cool thing is, is that my son at the time, McKinley, who's a filmmaker now, um, he shot that. Oh. He shot those those BTSs and he shot those videos. As a SCAD student filmmaker, Disney hired him um, I love that. to come and shoot that. And it was just amazing because, of course, you know, Paige and and Lilius and Donna and everybody, I mean, knew McKinley when he was a baby. And so here he is, you know, the director, producer, writer, editor of the, of the behind the scenes of this 30th anniversary special. It was just so surreal for me to to be there and do that. Jody, I have this fantasy though, after I watched it, I, and maybe you have done something similar to this or, or perhaps it's in the works, but I have this fantasy of like all of you ladies singing each other's songs. So yeah. like Jody, you singing oh, yeah. a, a song from Beauty and the Beast or a Paige singing part of your world or, oh, yeah. you know, kind of Absolutely. mixing it up. Can Which we, she can do in her sleep. Can uh, we do that? Yeah. How do we do that? Yeah, <laughs> let's do that. Well, it's fun. Like when I do my Disney concerts and symphony concerts and special events for Disney, I do sing all the, I do sing all the music. I do sing Colors of the Wind. I sing a whole Beauty and the Beast medley. I sing Tangled. I sing a whole new world. 
I sing Let It Go. I sing. Uh, um, okay, I have to come see you. Is, I think I sing pretty much, you know, When You Wish Upon a Star, we do a whole Mary Poppins thing. So I'm, I'm lucky enough that I do with a symphony, uh, even or with just a piano, with uh, Benji Rahala, uh, our Disney Princess Concert Tour musical director and arranger. Um, I have the privilege of getting to sing a handful of these absolutely gorgeous songs and play, play princess swap. Uh, (laughs) And I get to pay tribute to the way that all of those girls sing it because I don't personalize it. I, I like, I I try to sing it like they did. You know, I I like people to remember um, what the original songs sound like because they are so breathtaking. Okay. Is there one that you think is underrated? Because as a Disney fanatic myself, I believe that I won't say I'm in love from Hercules is one of the most underrated. It's so good. Thankfully, uh, Suze, Susan Egan, thankfully, Mm. Susan and Benji are traveling all over the place with the Disney princess concert tour right now. And she does get to sing her song with her girl backup muses behind her. There is a muse, There is one movie that I think gets overlooked that I absolutely love that happens to be handled by my lead animator, Glenn Keane, and his daughter, Claire Keane, and that's Tangled. Mm-hmm. I absolutely love Tangled, and I love that score, and I love that movie. And I think that one is like, you know, pretty underrated, to be yeah. honest with you. Um, I see the light. That song oh is so gosh. beautiful. Uh Absolutely gorgeous, but you know, Mother Gothel's song. I mean, mm-hmm. come on, Donna Murphy. I mean, she kills and slays that song every time she does it. And to hear her do it live that day at the anniversary special, whew, it was just breathtaking. It was oh, so fantastic. I love that. There's been so many, and and a recent favorite of mine is Moana's "How Far I'll Go," which oh, to me, I just, yeah, just I can't even listen to it though, Jody, because it gets in my like I can't stop singing it. Like I, yeah, I have a problem a with it because it's so good, and I yeah. just and I can't sing. I my dream, mm-hmm. I wish I could sing, but yeah, I just added. They just actually Disney just added that uh, recently. I sang as a surprise for the Legacy Award winners, both at Disney World and Disneyland recently. And they added that into the medley. And that's a beautiful, beautiful I Want song, which I love. Yeah. And Lin-Manuel, I've never met him. I hope to meet him one day. I, I hope, I hope. Um, but huge fan of his. And I think I know he's a huge fan of Mermaid and named one of his kids, I think, Sebastian. But um, yeah, I just think that he gets Howard. And, and so I think he pays tribute and, and, and homage to Howard in the way that he is as a lyricist, which I think is really beautiful. We have to take a quick break here. We'll be back with much more from Jody Benson, including a little moment that I wasn't sure if I should leave in the podcast episode. I ultimately decided not to edit it out because I thought it was a really special moment. I had asked Jody to record a message as Ariel for my niece, Sophia, and she was so kind to do so. And I thought it was a special moment because we get to hear Jody slip into the Ariel voice. And so you'll hear that in the second half of this interview. As always, I want to remind you that you can find me on social media at Danny Pellegrino on Twitter, Instagram, and TikTok. And you can also pick up my book. It's called How Do I Unremember This? You can get it wherever books are sold. There's also an audio book if you prefer that method. And you can get Jody's book, Part of My World, also wherever books are sold. We'll be right back. Yeah, 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 yeah. 
Ah, I love that sound, don't you? And that's the sound you're going to hear when you switch your business to Shopify, the global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell online, in person, on social media, and beyond. Uh, We use it here at Everything Iconic. Shopify is the best all-in-one commerce platform capable of handling all your business complexity, no matter how big you grow. I think it's fantastic. You're probably thinking, sure, but migrating is going to be a headache, but Shopify's app store has the migration apps you need to migrate all of your products, your orders, your customers, and more uh, from every major e-commerce platform all the way to Shopify. And I always hate when I'm shopping online and I have to re-enter all of my information. Well, Shopify store remembers your shipping address, your payment information. So if you're on the couch and your wallet's on the kitchen counter, you don't have to get up, which is nice. So sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash everything iconic, all lowercase. That's one month for just $1 at shopify.com slash everything iconic. Shopify, S-H-O-P-I-F-Y dot com slash everything iconic. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. And we all carry around different stressors, both big and small. Sometimes the small stressors are the worst for me because I cannot stop thinking about them when I'm trying to sleep or when I'm trying to go about my day. I keep those little things bottled up and it can start to affect me negatively. Now, therapy is a safe space to get those things off of my chest and figure out how to work through all that stuff. And if you've never benefited from therapy, I think it's time you explore. I think anyone can be helped by going to a professional therapist. It's so incredibly helpful to get those coping skills skills and uh, deal with those stressors. So uh, if you're thinking of starting therapy, you can give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online, designed to be super convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. All you got to do is fill out this quick, brief questionnaire and you get matched with a licensed therapist and you can switch therapists at any time for no additional charge, which I think is so important. uh, So that way you find someone that you work well with. Now, get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash Everything Iconic today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash Everything Iconic. Jody, I want to switch gears a little bit. You also voice Barbie in the Toy Story franchise. Mm-hmm. And I'm curious, how do you get into that character? Because <laughs> the character is stiffer than someone like Mermaid, whose uh, Ariel's movements are so yeah. uh, fluid yeah. and Barbie's very stiff. So like, yeah. what's the, t- tell me a little bit about it. Well, because I am a theater girl, um, the way I work in the studio is unique. I do not sit down, I stand up and I physically act everything out. So when I I was given the job of Barbie, I, I did not audition. I wanted to audition, but they were like, no, we know, we know she lives inside of you. And I'm like, how do you know that? Well, we we hear it inside of Ariel. I'm like, oh, okay. So the first day they brought a box of Barbies and we just proceeded to play with them and start to talk with each other with the Barbies in our hands. And just have a lot of fun. And um, of course, there was a script. And then we just kind of went from there and and started to improvise and just ad lib and have a blast. Um, But physically, in the studio, I created Barbie physically to what her limitations were. So that was a huge asset to me in order to find her voice very much needed to be from her physical foundation of her limitations of what she can and can't do. So, yeah, that's how I, I, I did her. Uh, my body was very sore after working <laughs> because I was 
reenacting her physically. And uh, I think that really helped. Uh, and of course, giving Barbie a voice for the first time um, for Mattel was very, very important. I had, they did not know, but I had done the claymation like workout video or whatever it's called oh back in goodness. the late 80s, early yeah. 90s. So I actually did give her her very first voice <laughs> on so that you, workout video. When you did but, the workout uh, video before Toy Story, was were the voices the same? Did when you came into Toy Story, did you do the same voice, he, or was I, it slightly different? I had to, I had to kind of tell Mattel because they're like, you know, yeah. this is a really big deal. <laughs> this is the first time Barbie's ever had a voice. I'm like, well, actually, I did do the workout <laughs> video. So you know, we pulled that up, and I'm like, yeah, you might want to watch that because that did give her the is. first voice. Um, so there is some rooted in that but this was super important with toy story is that she was not a doll she was real and she had a real personality she was vulnerable she was authentic she was real and so i had the job of making her real and that was that was our challenge that was our challenge was not to make fun of her not to mock her but yeah. to give her substance. And then, you know, shockingly, they put me in the third Toy Story, which was a huge surprise. Which so I, thought, I sobbed oh, through the entire ending yeah, in the theater. Like, I'm going <laughs> like to make, you know, I'm sure with Toy Story 3, I'll make a little cameo. Barbie will make a little cameo. Well, it wasn't. I mean, girlfriend was yeah, like was saving the deal. day. Yeah. I mean, she was like, she was like the heroine. She was like killing it. I mean, I couldn't believe it. I was like, oh my gosh, right. come on, girl. Yeah. She's saving the day. She's and didn't she have her. a, she had a pretty uh, starring role. Wasn't there one of the Hawaiian vacation or, or one of those? Yeah. Then yeah she yeah. had her like, little pre-show, her little short film. But I tell you in Toy Story three, Barbie is like, Ooh, you do yeah, not miss her. The Wait, she so say it in the day. Have, have you recorded more Barbie? Like, are we going to get more Toy Story? I need another one. Oh, I know. Wouldn't that be fun? I know. I know. It would have been so fun to be part of the the grand finale of Toy Story 4. Um, yeah, I don't really know what all that was with Mattel and, and you know, who knows what goes on behind the scenes as far as business and, and all that kind of stuff. Um, but boy, it would be super fun to get to bring her back to life. <laughs> we need a Barbie return in Toy Story 5. Uh, <laughs> that would be fun. They're doing a live action remake of Little Mermaid. And I wonder, yes. are, are you involved at all? Or did you get a chance to talk to Halle Bailey, who's playing Ariel or, or any of that? I, I am not part of the, of the film itself, but I am part of the press and publicity that goes around it. So I have uh, shot some uh, promo type of things. And in so doing, I was able to have a very quick little meet and greet with her and give her a hug and, and wish her well. And, you know, just give her lots and lots of love and support and, uh, you know, be a big cheerleader. Sam, super, super excited to see the movie in May of 23. It's going to be awesome. Did you get a chance to hear her part of your world at all? I know I fans have, are like so excited to I hear know. it. Um, I was able to hear just teeny, teeny, tiny, little bitty, bitty tidbits um, when, when I was doing these promos and, um, uh, but not obviously not the whole thing. Cause everything was still in process. This was a while ago. So right. everything was still in the mix, but I did get to hear snippets of everyone actually. And, uh, that was Is really it good. Uh, it's good, right? Yeah. It's okay. going to be amazing. And, you know, just to have 
live action creating the world underwater. Yeah. I think it's just going to be something so new with uh, with the global, you know, VFX and everything that's going to happen. I think it's going to be pretty groundbreaking, you know, um, to be able to create this world underwater. I think it's going to be amazing. And Robbie Marshall and John DeLuca and their old, 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 old friends of mine from, oh my gosh, from the mid 80s. Um, knew those boys a long time. And actually Robbie's first, his directorial debut was me uh, playing Florence in chess and Casamagnana uh, Theater in wow. Dallas, Texas. Yeah. Whatever year that was, who knows? Probably <laughs> 89, maybe 90. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so that's he exciting. My, he was one of my first directors. Yeah, uh, you- so it's so fun. So excited for them. Jody, I know you're close with Paige O'Hara and you talk about this in the book, but I wonder if you could share for our listeners when she was cast as Belle, uh, you had a conversation with her. Could you share a little bit about what, what <laughs> advice you gave her or even just what <laughs> advice you'd give anyone sort of stepping into the role of a Disney yeah. princess? Well, you know, it was funny because like I said, we kind of changed everything with our movie. And so there were no expectations. Everything was a huge surprise. Everything was a shock. Everything was this wild, crazy, fun ride. And we all were just like, what is going on? And then all of a sudden I get a call like, and Howard's like, well, we're going to bring you into audition for Belle. And I'm like, why? I mean, because now you revealed who I am. It's right, not like attached. I'm hiding. It's not like I can, you know, detach my name. And I said, so that's going to be weird for kids. Isn't it going to be weird that (laughs) audition for another princess, a Disney princess? Oh no, they want to see you. They want, I was like, well, okay. So I go to the audition and I, and I go to a callback and I'm sitting here like shaking my head, like people, this can't happen. You know? (laughs) So then Howard called and he's like, you know, I just want you to know that, you know, you're not going to go to the next step. I said, well, of course not. (laughs) I, I could have told you that when we started this process, that's ridiculous. You can't do that to kids. And it's just confusing. And then publicizing, that's just going to be weird. Um, but, you know, it, Paige was in the running of the finals. And of course, I was just beyond thrilled. She's absolutely perfect for it. And so she's getting ready to go to her final callback. And she calls me and we're chatting over the phone. And she's like, I don't know how to tell you this, but like, I'm getting ready to go to my callback. And they're giving me some notes of how to prepare. And they just, they, they just really want me to sound like you. <laughs> and I just laughed, you know, and of course, and I didn't get the part of sounding like me. I mean, it's just really funny, you know, when you think about <laughs> yeah, it, yeah. And, you know, I got cut from playing me. Um, right. So I, I told her, I said, sweetie, I said, no, no, this is, that's not what they want. They don't want you to sound like Jody Benson. What they're talking about is, is you need to Howard it up. Mm-hmm. That's what we're going to do. We're going to talk about how to, how to put Howard on it. That's what they're looking for. They're looking for this, this quality in your voice that tells these stories that that's not. And so, so then I did, I just gave her a Howard lesson. That's what I did on the phone. I said, I'm just going to tell you everything Howard poured into me. And that's what they're looking for. Yeah. And what they think they're looking for is Jody, but they, they, what they don't know is what they're looking for is Howard. And she's so, so perfect as Belle. Oh, she's she, perfect. It's, she's absolutely it's, perfect as Belle. And yeah, now we, I, I feel like voice acting is a little bit more respected now than it was. But when I look back oh, at yeah. some of these, uh, I know Pat Carroll had recently passed who played the Ursula in The Little Mermaid. 
And when you look at your performance and Pat as Ursula, I mean, these are so incredible and so infused with so much acting ability and so much, so much that, uh, you know, it's beautiful. Did you get to work with Pat in the studio? I know. We have a very unique situation that's never happened. I think since I don't, I don't think it has happened since we all got together as a cast and did read throughs like a Broadway musical and table reads and with the piano and with Howard there and all the storyboard artists and all the animators with their storyboards and the directors talking through. So we got to record the first, I think for me, I got two days of recording between plexiglass with Sam and Pat and Ken Mars and flounder. So that was really unheard of. And I've never done that since. The TV series, for the four years of the TV series with Mermaid, I was in New York doing Crazy for You during the night and doing Mermaid during the day. And Sam and I would get to record because he was in upstate New York. So we would get to do the television series together. And that was really fun. Oh, that's cool. That's cool. Uh, I know you've, you've appeared in a little live action. You did Enchanted. Do you, can we see more of, can, how do we get more of you on live action? (laughs) You are so sweet. No, I think that's a one and done. Um, Yeah. I mean, gosh, of course, if somebody said, Hey, do you want to, you know, walk across the stage in this movie with Disney or whatever, I'd be like, of course I do. It sounds like a blast, but you know, I mean, I'm just so content and so happy with the things that I've done in my, in my life. I really am. I've got the icing on top of the cake and then some, if something happens like that, it would be a blast. You know, of course it would be a blast. Um, Do I, you know, pound on the doors and, and pursue it with agents? No, no. Hey, if a friend called me up and said, Hey, we got this, this little thing. That's kind of how enchanted happened. Kevin was, Kevin Lima was one of our animators for mermaid. He was the, boosted to be the director of this live action with these big stars. And he just thought it would be this funny, funny look for the Mickey, the hidden Mickey. Let's look for the Easter eggs of three princesses. It was just a joke. And I was just supposed to like walk across the office next to the, you know, fish tank and playing the Muzak version of part of your world. And you're supposed to go, Oh, I think that might be the girl, you know, the lady that did. And then it turned into a part and then it turned into, she had a name and then it turned into a second scene with Patrick. And I was like, what is going on? I don't know what I'm doing. I've never been in front of a camera like that. I mean, I've done press and publicity out the wazoo, but no TV or film live action. You know, it just wasn't my thing. I mean, I was a theater kid. So, um, but it was great. I think for Disney fans, it was was so exciting to see you pop up with Patrick Dempsey and and that movie. I I always felt like that movie was such a wonderful celebration of of the Disney princesses and right. What do you think uh, it What do you think it is about Disney princesses that endures and even young? I have two young nieces and they love and everyone loves the Disney princesses. It lives yeah. on and and what do you think it is about Disney princesses that endures? I think it's just the mythology. I think it is the fairy tale. I think it's the magic. I think it, it it's not, they're not real. And there's something so lovely about fairy tale and fantasy that people love to escape to um, when they want to disappear from reality for, you know, those yeah. 72 minutes or whatever it might be. And, you know, our ours is based on Hans Christian Andersen. Of course, it's very, very different storyline. 
But, you know, mermaids are fantasy and magical and fairy tale and mythical. And there's just something so wonderful for young children to kind of be able to dream and to to have this magic make-believe world. And which is why it's so precious. And and I think I, I don't know if I shared it in the book. I haven't read the book in so long and I don't really remember what it's in there and whatever, but um, I was speaking to maybe like a third grade class or something and telling them all about animation and what I do. And my name is Jody and I stand in front of a mic and, and I make these voices and I did all this example. And I tell this whole story for like 20 minutes, teaching them about the reality of how we do animated feature films and a little boy he was probably 10 years old, you know, raised his voice and said, how do you hold your breath under water so long? Uh-huh. And I stopped and I looked at the teacher and I looked back at the kids and they're all waiting for my answer. Now, mind you, I have explained everything mm-hmm. in reality, but his mind didn't go there. Mm-hmm. So I'm not going to answer him in reality. I'm going to, I'm going to go with his fantasy. I'm going to stick with his world of magic. You know, and I said, you know what, as mermaids, we can hold our breath underwater for days and days. And he just went, oh, okay. And that was that. And that was like a real defining moment. What, what people can choose, even as adults, Mm -hmm. you can choose to live with breaks of reality. And I Mm -hmm. honestly, I think it's quite healthy. Um, Totally. And I, I think hey, why not? It, it's Let's something especially that's why we go right. to the movies. That's why we right. watch something on streaming at night after a stressful day. I just want to watch something funny. Yeah. I just want to escape. Well, that's what it is. Especially you know? these I days. I think we all want to escape into a, yeah. a nice animated world with music. And- Absolutely. I mean, who doesn't want to see a little fairy tale land going on? Yeah. You know, I mean, come on, really? Do kids do kids <laughs> ask you to do the voice a lot? Do you get that? Oh, yeah. yeah, yeah. And oh, do you yeah. mind if a, if a, a kid no. or you like it? Yeah. No, no, no. What I do is, you know, because especially when they're younger, if they're like ten and under, and the the parent or the person I'm with whispers to them, and then they look at me, they look at my legs, they look up at me, and then I bend down and I say, "Okay, why don't you close your eyes?" And then I will say, maybe he's right. Maybe there is something the matter with me. Just don't see how a world that makes such wonderful things could be bad. Uh, and, and then they open their eyes, you know, and they kind of go, I get it. I get it. Yeah. You know, it's like it just it's dispels, magic. It dispels this look of them looking at a 60 year old woman with legs. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> Jody, this might be totally inappropriate for me to ask, but could you, is there any way you could say hi to my niece, Sophia, as Ariel and just say Uncle Danny loves her or something? Oh, great. How old is Sophia? (laughs) She's just turned five. Just turned five. Uncle Danny and Sophia. Okay, here we go. You ready? Yeah. (laughs) Hi, Sophia. This is Ariel, the little mermaid. (laughs) How are you today? Oh, your Uncle Danny says that you love Ariel. Do you love mermaids? Aren't they just the best? Oh, do you love to swim? <laughs> I love to swim with my friend, all my friends, Flounder and Sebastian and all my sisters. And I hope you love to swim too. 
because it is so magical to live under the sea. <laughs> well, I hope that you have a magical, wonderful day, Sophia. And remember, don't be such a guppy. <laughs> we love Bye-bye. you, Seth. We love you. Thank you. Oh my God. That's going to make her whole life. It's going to make her whole life. Um, okay, Jody. I know I got to wrap this up, but I, I want to, uh, I want to ask you a couple little sort of lightning round questions. Sure. Um, first of all, you go to Disneyland, you must know sort of the secrets. Is there one must at Disneyland, whether it be a must ride or a must food or, or is there a must for people who are going okay. to Disneyland? To Disneyland, my must used to be called California Screaming at um, California Adventure. It is now um, Incredicoaster. So that's my must at California Adventure. My must at Disneyland is Space Mountain. Mm. Classic, yeah. classic. Um, who's your favorite Disney prince besides Prince Eric? Who is... I don't. Th- I don't know if he's a prince. Who may- who gets together with Anna at the end of Frozen? Oh, is um. Why can't Hans? I think of the name? Hans. Yes, Hans. Hans right. Yeah. I like him. Yeah. I like Jonathan Groff cool. is the. Voice. He's super yeah. funny. He's super funny and really real, and I really like him. I like you know, that character. I ask all my guests this, and and maybe you don't have an answer, but I always ask their favorite Mariah Carey song, which I know is sort of a their <laughs> question, but I don't know if you have one. I figured I'd ask. Um, It's so funny because one of the songs I do for my Christmas symphony concerts is all I want for Christmas is you. So, and I, I love her version. I love her version. It's so good. (laughs) Uh, And finally, Jody, what do you want people to remember about you and your work? What do you want your sort of legacy to be? Wow. That's a big question. I don't think I've ever gotten before. I have to think about that for a second, Danny. Hold on. I think after I'm gone, I would love if people would recall that I tried to do my best to love and serve others well every day. Um, Tried to keep that really simple, like daily, you know, Mm -hmm. to, to love and serve others well, wherever they are, whoever they are, whoever I come in contact with. I, I, I hope that that would be kind of the legacy that I would have left behind and that um, there were so many, 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 many people on my journey of life that are responsible for for my journey and for my career, um, that it wasn't about me. You know, it was really about all the other people that poured into me. So I, I, I would hope that that would be part of my legacy. I love decorating the house and getting furniture, but sometimes it could be overwhelming to design a space. And so luckily I'm here to tell you about a company called Cozy. Now Cozy is fantastic, a North American company that thoughtfully designs furniture made for modern living. Now Cozy strives to provide the best furniture shopping experience with elegant, super high quality products, plus fast delivery and easy assembly, which is really important to me because I do not like putting together furniture. So the easier, the better for me. Now Cozy offers a beautiful, customizable sofas and sectionals that are made to adapt in time. This means customers can add seats to the sofas over time. Maybe if you're extending your family, you might want more space on the couch. Cozy also offers a great range of coffee tables, washable rugs, wall shelving, credenzas, TV stands, and accessories so much. It's thoughtfully designed furniture made 
for modern living. There's an outdoor sofa and tables collection that is fantastic. It's called the Mistral. So you can choose the perfect sofa configuration for your outdoor setup. Uh, Cozy also opened its first retail space on Queen Street in Toronto to push the experience to the next level and allow customers to engage physically with the products. So transform your living space today with Cozy. Visit Cozy.com, spelled C-O-Z-E-Y, to start customizing your furniture today. Again, that's Cozy, C-O-Z-E-Y.com. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Well, Jody, this was the best. Thank you for making my day and for entertaining <laughs> so many of us. And and just your work is incredible. And and Thank I hope you, everyone you picks up the book. It, it was also really fascinating. I, I just want to mention too for people picking up the book that you also talk a lot about your faith. And I'm someone who I'm very fascinated. I was raised religious, but I don't necessarily consider myself religious anymore. But I I am very fascinated by that. And I loved how you kind of uh, tied a lot of the a lot of your work back to faith and it, it was fascinating to read. So, so everyone oh, pick up part yeah, of my sweet. world out yeah. September 13th. Jody, you're the best. Thank, Thank you. you Jody. So much. You're so sweet. So kind. And that's, that's just lovely that we got to have this time to chat together. I really enjoyed our time together. I'm going to be going and listening to your work as soon as we're done here. I'm going to be yes. saying, I always try to do the, uh, <laughs> wait, you how do you, the, uh, uh, you know, but, there you go. Here we go. You pick your key. Uh, now yeah. I could do, you know what I could do better is the now sing. <laughs> there you go. There you go. Uh, we could do Pat. Do Pat, man. That's awesome. I'm better <laughs> at the Pat at the Ursula there voice. You go. Jody, thank yeah, you so thank much. You Have the best day ever. Thank you. You too. Have the best day. Bye, honey. Bye. 